Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Can you hear me? Yep. Great. Um, my first winter in 275, right? This is me experiencing the blanket thing. Um, it's really exciting. So <laughs> rug up, bring your beanie, bring your jacket, keep coming along the Sunday night, even if it gets cold. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Oh, sorry, I'm Michael, one of the pastors here. So if you're new, welcome. Great to have you along. Love to meet you. We're going to get into God's Word, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I have it in front of you, and I'm going to pray that God helps us tonight. Our great Heavenly Father, we want to hear from you tonight. Uh, Thank you that you're a God who speaks by your Word, by your Spirit. Please help us to listen, help us to focus. Father, we want to love you from the heart, we want to obey your commands, we want to love others. Help us, Lord, as we listen, as we obey, we pray that it will be pleasing in your sight. For Jesus' sake. Amen. So tonight we're talking about love. Love's the topic for tonight. And who doesn't want to discuss love? Love's a popular topic. Who doesn't want to be loved? And have you noticed there's a zillion songs written about love? Uh, let me give you a few of them. So there's, there's a variety of ages here. I've, I've got a mix. So way back, The Beatles, All You Need Is Love, Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all is learning to love yourself. Uh, she was wrong, but what an awesome voice, what an awesome woman. Um, Beyonce, crazy in love, Taylor Swift's love story. I've never heard it, but I'll <laughs> put it in there for someone. Um, now, but let me ask you about your love for God. Uh, do you love God? Now, maybe uh, for some of you, you're still working that out. You're still working out who is God. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Um, Great you're with us. Great you can be on that journey. We can be on that journey with you. What about this question though? If you're a follower of Jesus, do you love God from the heart? I reckon if you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you have the Spirit, if you trust in Him, you do, don't you? That's what God has created in you. you. You love Him from the heart. It's a new relationship. What about this question? Do you love God more than your spouse if you're married, your best mate, your friend, your brother, your sister? Is he the one you love above everyone else? Again, if you love Jesus, if you have the Spirit, the answer is yes, isn't it? Jesus says, love me with all your heart. What about this one? Do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength? That's a tougher one, isn't it? I want to love him with all my heart, my soul and strength, but I don't always get there. We've come tonight to the greatest of all commands. Here it is. The greatest love should be for the one true and living God and him alone. Here's the message for tonight. Make your one great love for the one great God. Love him with your heart with your soul, with your strength. There's, there's the message for tonight. Uh, and we've come to this really famous part of the Bible. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's the Shema. It's, it's kind of the, the, the crown uh, of, the, of this part of the Bible for the Jew. It's what every Jew would love to have written on their hearts. 
and for them and their family. It's what Moses wants to say to all of Israel as they head towards the promised land. Have a look at it with me in verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4. Open it up with me. Hear this, O Israel, listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now, really, really important to understand the connection between those two verses. Uh, The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, Hear what uh, God's saying there through Moses. He's not saying... Uh, that God is one of many gods. Uh, he's not saying that God is the best of the best of gods. Uh, what is he saying? He's saying he is the Lord. He is the one and only Lord. It's Isaiah 45, God says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. He's not even saying, choose me because I'm the greatest of all the gods. I'll give you the, the greatest benefit. A bit like, you know, you've got to choose between Apple and Android. Not sure. Maybe you are sure. You've made your choice. No, no, no. There isn't a choice. There is only one God, your God, the Lord. It's not even like uh, an insecure boyfriend who's afraid that his girlfriend will be taken by someone else. There is no one else. There is only the Lord, the God who is one, your Lord, him alone, and there is false gods who are no gods at all. And Moses is not saying because God alone stands, because he is one, he's not saying therefore that all religions lead to this one God, as many people would say. In fact, he's saying the opposite. See, there is Moses speaking to Israel. If you've picked up this context as we've looked at the book of Deuteronomy over the last few weeks uh, in our series, he's speaking to Israel, God's people, on the, on the edge of the promised land. Uh, and he's not saying they all lead, all the religions lead to one God. He's actually saying when you get into the promised land, there will be hundreds of false gods. There will be hundreds of idols vying for your attention and affection. Reject them all. You'll be tempted. Love the Lord your God and Him alone. He is one. He is your God. Now, we know this part of the Bible is really, really important to us as Christians because Jesus picks it up. Remember, Jesus, He's in a tussle with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders. Who is, who, what's the greatest commandments? We've got 600 commandments. Jesus, Here's, here's a curveball for you. Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And it's really interesting that uh, you think about what Jesus expects of us, love him, love him alone. He is the Lord. Uh, Jesus says, if anyone loves their family more than me, he's not worthy of me. It's, where you, it's that point where you know that Jesus is claiming to be God. He is the Lord. He's the only one. Jesus expects, Jesus demands, Jesus deserves, doesn't he? Our love, our devotion, our, he is the Lord. And notice here in Deuteronomy, as is in the New Testament, we love God because he first loved us. That's really, really important. Um, I think we've, hopefully if you're a Christian, you're familiar with that. That's how you became a Christian. 
Uh, it's 1 John 4.10. This is love, not that we love God, that's not where it starts, but that God has loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Because he died for us, because he loved you with a profound love, you now love him in response. Uh, so it's the same here in the Old Testament. Moses says to Israel, love God, love him with all your heart, because he first loved you. Um, you you'll keep hearing this uh, throughout Deuteronomy, and it's really, really important to get hold of this, because Moses keeps talking about obedience. He keeps talking about commands, but remember they are in response to the love that God has shown to his people. Uh, have we seen it already? Uh, it's almost in every chapter of, of Deuteronomy. What has God done for them? He's rescued them out of Egypt. He's the God who saved them. Uh, why were they saved out of, out of slavery? How did they get towards the edge of the promised land? It wasn't because they were great or because they were um, numerous in numbers. No, it was because of God's sheer kindness, sheer strength. And he wants to say, don't ever forget that. God has loved you with an immense love. Uh, God has fed them for 40 years in, in the wilderness uh, while they were uh, grumbling and disobedience. Uh, God led them by the hand all the way to the edge of the promised land. God's going to give them the promised land, the spectacular land, the prosperous land. The, what's the phrase? The land flowing with milk and honey. Isn't he a generous God? Isn't he a merciful God? Not because they deserve it, but because he wants to give it to them. And of all the people on the earth, he's saying to this group of people, you are my people, I've got a covenant with you, I will keep it. I've made my promise, I will keep my promise. That's God's graciousness, that's God's mercy, that's God's goodness. Just flick back with me to chapter 4, the, the two chapters back, verse 7. Beautiful part of the Bible, beautiful verse. Here's what other nations should say as they look on to Israel. Verse 7 of chapter 4, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? See, your God is so good. He is so generous. He's so kind. He's so near. He pray, when you pray, he's there. He answers you. You are so blessed to have this God. It's true for Israel. It's also true for you if you're in Jesus. If you follow him, if you're, you're part of his people, how good is that? God has so loved us. He deserves our love. And I want you to see tonight, it's, it's a love, the love we have for him is not, is not just an outward love. It's actually a love that, that penetrates deep within us. Uh, it's, a lo- it's loving God with all our heart. Uh, let, let's think into that, heart, soul, strength. So what do you think of when, when you hear love God with all your heart? We often think about feelings, don't we? Affections, emotions. That's true, love him with your feelings, love him with your emotions, your affections. But actually the Hebrew word for heart encapsulates the mind and the will which drives your emotions, which drives your affections. So the way you think, love God with your thoughts, with your decisions, with your aspirations, with a deep and profound love that will affect you in your emotions. 
will transform, Romans 12, what you love. Love God with all your heart. Love him with all your soul. That's, that's kind of like an even bigger frame, your whole life. Uh, every aspect of your life, love him. And love him with all your strength. Everything you have, every fibre of your being, all your passion, all your energy, love God. Be totally, totally committed to him. Give your all to him in love. I, I think we know what it's like, when, you know, when you see someone who is just totally, totally in love with someone or something, who's totally given themselves to that thing or that person, whether it's a sport or a job or a spouse. Think about the professional sports person. They absolutely give themselves, don't they? Every fibre of their being, um, every, mo- every waking moment, every part of their life, every, all their strength, all their heart, all their time, their money is given to the sport. I think that, there's something to learn there, isn't there? Something to capture. Love God with all your strength, with everything. Love God with all your heart, your soul and your strength. I want to ask you tonight, where, where do you reckon you struggle to love God as you think about heart, soul, strength? I reckon it's different for each of us. Um, some of us, it seems really natural to love God with our feelings, our, our emotions. We're very outward with those. Um, we express our love for God. We love uh, to sing. And gee, we need, we need more of us like that when we get together to, to praise God, to love God in song. Uh, we love to, to do that privately. We love to do that here at church. We love to do that in an even larger group of people, Christians. Um, so we're, we're, we're big on that. We're strong on that. But perhaps we're weak on loving God with our minds, loving God as we understand how he's revealed himself in the Bible. We've actually, we're babies when it comes to our thinking and loving God with our thinking. We haven't graduated from John 3.16. We don't know how to love God with our decisions. Some of us are actually really good at loving God with our minds. Um, we've, we understand lots about God's character, lots about God's plans. We can explain justification, expiation, sanctification. Um, but has it made a difference to your life? Do you love God on the ground? Um, Or is it knowledge? And some of us are really eager to love God and obey God in everything. We're really good at on the ground. We want to know more about on the ground. We want to know what to do. But we've lost the joy of serving God with our hearts. And we need to work on that. We obey, but we obey out of duty. Love God with your heart, with your soul, with your, all your strength. What is it for you? What do you, need, what do you need to grow in to love God with all? And I reckon you know when you're really serious about loving God because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. And some of you will know this. Uh, you, you're, you're loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You're striving for that. It, it's affected the way you've made decisions. Um, 
maybe it's the relationship that you said no to because you thought, I cannot love God if I enter into that relationship. Or maybe it's the job that you didn't take because you thought, I can't have that job and love God at the same time. Whatever it is, it will cost you. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Did you notice when you heard the quote from Jesus in Mark 12 and it was read out for us, that Jesus adds mind? Uh, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. It's just another reminder to us, the mind is really critical, part of us as people uh, that we can neglect. Love God with the way you think, it should it should inform your decisions, your aspirations, it should drive your emotions. And notice also Jesus says the second greatest commandment is love your neighbour as yourself. So loving God, as we talk about loving God, it will mean, it must mean loving other people. Uh, it, it can't be one without the other. Uh, you will only really know how to love other people if you first love God. And you're really kidding yourself if you think, I'm really loving people, I'm really loving God. I'm so strong on that. But you're not loving people. There's the two commandments. God says, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love others as yourself. There it is. And notice Jesus doesn't, turn it around he doesn't say love God like you love yourself and love others with all your heart soul mind and strength that would really be to mess things up yeah it would be a way way too small a view of God to love God like you love yourself and to love others with all your heart soul mind and strength that is that is bad territory for relationships isn't that very unhealthy relationships isn't it when You've treated someone else and given someone else the love that only God uh, deserves. It's to make someone else a God. It's idolatry. But I don't know whether you've noticed this, but our culture does this. Our culture, I think, reverses these commands. Our culture leans into this. Um, have you, you, you can pick it up when you analyse songs. Uh, so, so many songs about love. Think, think about all the songs you know about love. I go away and think about what are they saying about love. First, first thing to notice, hardly any of them mention God, yeah? They're all about loving someone else, normally romantic love. God hardly gets a mention and then the love for other people is totally maximised as if it is the most important thing in all of life. Here's your solution to your problem, have a romantic relationship. If you can't have that, life's not worth living. In fact, there's a guy by that name of Harry Nielsen, 1971. He wrote this song, and in, the line, in one of the lines it says, I can't live if living is without you. That, that just typifies it, doesn't it? You work out where that lands with Taylor Swift and all those other, other people. Um, but I think you'll find the emphasis is on people. You must have this relationship. It's, it's mixing up the commands. There is a love that only belongs to God. And you mustn't give it to anyone else. That is idolatry. And don't expect that great love from someone else. That is an impossible burden to place on someone. That is idolatry. That is really, really unhelpful. Think about it with me for a moment. 
how can, how can you be the best possible friend to your friend? How can you be the best son or daughter to your parents as you want to love and honour them? How can you be the best husband or wife to your spouse? It's not by loving them with all your heart, soul and strength. It's actually by loving God with all your heart, soul and strength that you'll end up loving them well. Love God with all your heart, soul and strength and love others like yourself. And notice here, uh, look at Deuteronomy 6.5. Moses says, keep saying it, do it from the heart. Do it from the heart. Uh, we're not talking about a superficial love. We're not talking about a facade. Uh, it's not just get the tattoo that says, I love God, or, or put it on Instagram post or the sticker on your car. It's actually deep down within your very soul, love God genuinely from your heart. That's what pleases God. Uh, and as you think about that, it's actually what we expect of each other, isn't it? Why would God be any different? Uh, if you're married, surely you want your husband or your wife to genuinely love you from the heart. You don't want them loving you or faking their loving you and actually thinking about someone else. You want them to love you. Uh, you think about your best friend. You want them to be genuinely interested in you. Um, want to hang out with you because they want to hang out with you, concerned for you, not pretending, not, not somehow behind your back thinking other things or saying other things to other people. God wants the same. A deep, genuine love that can't be faked. And why is it that we think we can fake it with God? I reckon it's because we know we can fake it with other people. So it is possible, isn't it, at least for a time, to live the double life, to, to fake it with people. But you can't do that with God. God knows our intentions, he knows our thoughts, he knows every action that no one else sees, he knows what's going on and God wants us to love him from the heart. Every fibre of our being, every intention, every part of our thinking, our choices, our motives. But it's, so it's inward, it's deeply inward, expressed outwardly with an outward love it's actually hear this a true and deep love for God will express itself in keeping his commands a true and deep love for God will express itself in keeping God's commands uh, it will actually show itself in obedience See, it's it's uh it's not a theoretical thing love is, is it we know that with human relationships it's actually very practical it's actually what you do that counts not, not, not so much what you say. Uh, it's that idea that love is a verb. It's an action word, just in case you didn't pick that up in, when you learnt grammar. Um, and, and it's what Jesus was getting at. That there is the law in all its detail. But where does it all come down to? Love God with all your heart, soul and mind. Love other people. How do, how do you do that? Well, here's the law. Here's how it hits the ground. Here's all the practicalities. Uh, I think it's... It's the case in marriage, isn't it? Um, the person who says, you know, you ask, you ask the guy, let me pick on the guy, do you love your wife? And he says, of course I love my wife. I told her I loved, my, I loved her 20 years ago when we got married. You need to keep telling her that and you need to keep, what is, what is it, one step further, isn't it? Every day she's going to know whether you do love her or not by the way you treat her. 
love expresses itself in action. Love means, loving God means obeying God. It's what Jesus said in John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, we know that obedience doesn't save us. Keeping the commands doesn't save you. Make sure you're really clear on that. It's, it's God has saved us. God has rescued us through his kindness. Now we're responding by obeying him and loving him. But what do the, what the, what the commandments do? I reckon the commandments do two things. They show us how to love God, how to please God, and they show us, they reveal whether we love God. So you look at all the commandments, they show us how to love God and they reveal whether you love God. I remember what the book of James says, faith without works is dead. You cannot say that you love God without it issuing in obedience. Well, let me come to my last point from Deuteronomy 6. Um, Teach your children, Moses says, this great love for God. So this is a little subsection for parents. Um, But interesting, isn't it? Moses addresses the whole community. So this is actually for all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're not a parent tonight or not a grandparent. And by the way, if you're not a parent or not a grandparent here tonight, which is most of us, I think, um, here's how to help your brothers and sisters who are. And here's something that might be your reality in the future. And so if God gives you the gift of marriage, God gives you the gift of children, um, here's a part of the the Bible that you need to hear tonight. But, But let's all listen to it. What does he say? Parents, teach your children what we've just said, how to love God with a love from the heart. Uh, Teach your children that God loved them first. Uh, Teach them how to love God from the heart and teach them the commands, teach them the outward obedience. Um, Stick with us even in the dark. Uh, Verse 7, look at verse 7. Impress these commands on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. See, it's very clear, isn't it? If you're a parent, um, God wants you to take responsibility for raising your children uh, to love and serve the Lord Jesus all their days. Uh, Who's responsible for raising them uh, to know God, to love God, to be a disciple of Jesus? He's saying, you are, as a parent, if you're a parent. Um, Take that seriously. Don't give that responsibility to someone else. Don't think someone else is going to do it. Don't give it to a school don't give it to church. This is the way God's designed families. This is the way God raises up the next generation uh, as you take your part uh, in raising them up. Who's the most influ- influential person in their life? It's you, the parent. Um, don't underestimate. Who is the person that will shape them to love God more than anyone else in the world? Who spends the most time with them? Uh, who will they learn to listen to? Who are they watching? Who are they questioning? It's you, the parent. Take that awesome responsibility to, to, to teach them to love the Lord God with all their heart, soul and mind. Because they're going to learn it from you. In fact, they're learning everything from you. This is what I was saying to lots of our families here this morning. I was telling them the story, um, I'm actually teaching... I've, teaching my kids to drive now that's the stage we're at I'm up to number two out of three Um, I'm getting slightly better at it slightly less anxious Um, 
learning what does it mean to sit in the passenger seat, close my mouth, um, hit the imaginary brake. Um, so second daughter, we're up, we've done four hours, we've got 116 hours to go. <laughs> um, it's a long journey. Um, but have I taught her to drive for just four hours? In one sense I have, in one sense not at all. She's been watching me drive her whole life and she's been watching Natalie drive as well. Um, it's why she's picked up so many bad habits from us. <laughs> it's why we need to actually get a professional to go and teach her properly. Um, but that's the nature of kids, isn't it? They are watching, they are with you. Um, how do you love God? Why do you do that? How come we're like this? Why do, you go to, why do we go to church? How come we're making this decision? Why are we different to this family? How you love God, how you love others, your decisions, your priorities, they're taking it all in. That's under God, his sovereignty, he's in control. That's who they'll become. Which means it's incredibly important, isn't it, the way you model loving God to your kids, if you've got kids. How will you teach them to love the Lord God? You're, you're already doing it. Or you're either doing it well or not so well. And isn't it interesting, the world uh, doesn't think that's a really significant job, but that is the most significant job you could possibly have. To train, to teach, to model to the next generation to love the Lord Jesus. Our world doesn't think it's really important. In fact, isn't it crazy? In our world, we pay people enormous sums of money uh, for jobs that really aren't that important, but we think they're important or they've got a high status. Here is a job, a father, a mother, that has an enormous impact. The impact of shaping a child for a lifetime to love Jesus for eternity. Uh, not often seen, not glamorous, uh, not a high status. Uh, not many people you know, finish school and aspire to, I want to be the best father I can possibly be. I want to be the best mum I can possibly be. In fact, it's really sad, isn't it? You hear, don't ever say this, I'm just a mum, I'm just a dad. Our world's got crazy values to think that doing that role, that critical role in a child's life is not valuable. It is incredibly valuable in God's sight. So you need to model it, you need, and you also need to know what to say to your kids. So have a look at verse 21. Here's, here's a, a, something for you to say. In the future, verse 20, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Here's the Israelite boy who's going, Dad, what, what is going on here? What, why are we different? What are we doing? Um, and notice what you are to say in verse 21. Tell him, and it goes on, tell him who you are. Tell him who he is. Don't teach him a moral code. Tell him he's a rescued one. He's a saved one. Look at what God has done for us. That's what it's saying, isn't it? Look, verse 21, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders and great and, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. 
See, God has rescued us. God is kind to us. We are rescued people. It's the gospel of Jesus in the Old Testament, isn't it? It's you saying to your kids, you know, we have been saved by a mighty God in Jesus. You know, Jesus has died for our sins on the cross that we can be forgiven. That's who we are. God has been immensely kind to us. That is why we live this way. That is why we love God from the heart. If you're a parent, you've got to work out how you're going to do that. How are you going to impress that upon your kids? Um, that's going to take certain disciplines. We're going to need to help one another as a church. Uh, what a great kindness that uh, God's given us church, that you, know, you might not be a parent, you not, might not be a mum or a dad, but you could help a mum or a dad as they try and uh, raise their kids to love the Lord Jesus. But there's the task. How will you impress upon this child? They are a chosen people, a loved people, a rescued people. Love the Lord your God in response with all your heart. Now, um, I know I'm speaking to a small group of people here, but here's what I said to a wider group of people this morning. Uh, but it's really important if you're a parent. Two groups of people, I reckon. Uh, if, some parents are incredibly disciplined with the way they um, think about raising their children to love and serve the Lord Jesus all their days. Um, often they're feeling, I give this talk and I'm saying, you're going to need to get onto it. And they're thinking, what else do I need to do? I'm, am I doing enough? Relax. Know that you, God will use you. Uh, in, in his strength, you will uh, raise your child to love the Lord Jesus. Um, keep going. And then there's perhaps the other family that really hasn't given much thought um, really hasn't thought into how are we going to do this, is thinking it will just happen. Um, and you know what happens when, in anything, when you aim for nothing? You pretty much hit it every time. And it's the same with raising kids. If you don't have some kind of plan, how are you going to raise them to love the Lord Jesus? You need to get something in place. You need to start small, you need to trust God, it'll be messy, it'll be unorganised, it'll be disruptive and that's why we do it together under the Lord Jesus. Now so much more to say here, uh, maybe, you're, maybe you are a parent, uh, maybe you're uh, um, interested in next-gen ministry. I want to say a couple of things about next-gen ministry at Salt. First thing is we've got a night coming up, uh, Joyful Discipleship. Uh, if that interests you, uh, how we're raising the next generation of kids and youth here at Salt to love the Lord Jesus. Come along to that night. We're going to talk about what's the, how do we do that in the home? How do we help families do that at home, uh, take their responsibility to raise the next generation? How do we do it at Salt? How do we do it at church? What's the partnership like between those two? Um, so come along to that night uh, as we delve into those things and we're going to have more nights in the future as well. Secondly, you might be able to help by giving financially to the work of Next Gen here at Salt. Uh, not all of us will be directly involved in, in raising up of the next generation, but you could make a big difference by giving financially. So we've got this target of raising uh, $50,000, um, and what we want to do is set up Next Gen so that over the next three years we're growing and resourcing that ministry, um, so we'll, we will do that well uh, for the growing number of kids and youth we've got here at Salt. Um, so there's a way that you can contribute. Um, think about that. Uh, write down your, let us know on the Connect card or on Salt Weekly. There's an opportunity there uh, to give.
But tonight, as we finish up, how, how do we keep stirring one another to love God from the heart? There's the big thing. Um, and here's, here's some things to finish with. And firstly, don't, don't do this. Don't go home and think, I've just got to try harder. Don't do this. Don't go home and say, I've got to try harder and then fail and then feel guilty and then repeat. That's not the Christian life, is it? That's not the gospel. What do we need to do? We need to look to Jesus as we think about loving God with all our heart. Because who is the person who has actually done this command perfectly? It's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus has loved his heavenly Father with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and all his strength. Have a listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 31. He says, The world must learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. That Jesus perfectly loves the Father, perfectly obeys the Father because those two things are tied together. He perfectly loves other people. He loves his brothers and sisters. He loves the lost. And Jesus wants us to know, I love the Father. I have obey this command i am the faithful israelite i am the covenant keeper i am the one that you are not i'm the obedient one i'm not like israel in the old testament i'm not like israel who failed miserably to love god i'm not like israel who needed a new heart remember we spoke about this last week uh, jeremiah 31 that we need the law of god written on our hearts and minds. But what's the difference for you and I, if you're in in Jesus? We do have the new heart. We do have the spirit. Jesus has changed us. And for that reason, you do love God because of Jesus. And yet we do struggle, don't we? And we'll continue to struggle to love God with all our heart. We'll, We'll keep being tempted. We'll keep falling into sin. We'll keep neglecting God. We'll keep forgetting to be transformed by God's love in our hearts and minds. And so here's where it's at for me. I love God with all my heart, but I battle to love God with all my heart. And I need to keep coming back to Jesus for for forgiveness. I keep reminding myself that I'm not secure in Christ because of my obedience. I'm secure in Christ because he was completely obedient, because he kept the law perfectly and if i want someone to look to who perfectly loved we've got to keep looking to jesus don't we there is the one who perfectly loved his heavenly father live like him here's the one there is the one who perfectly loves other people live like him and it will continue to be a struggle for us until that last day that new creation when we will love god with all our heart soul and mind but between now and then It will be a wrestle. It will be a struggle. We need to keep coming back to Jesus, asking for his forgiveness, looking to his model. Keep remembering we're responding to his great love for us. Keep remembering what love looks like. Jesus at the cross, dying for us. Let me give you one last point as we finish up and I pray for us tonight. Uh, We've seen love God, love him alone. Um. Give your greatest love to the one great God. Don't give it to anyone else. 
Uh, the, the, the illustration that keeps coming up for me is the illustration of marriage. Uh, imagine you're at a, at a wedding. Um, there's been a few weddings at, at Salt recently, and this is probably not theoretical. Uh, imagine you're, you're at the wedding, you're there celebrating with the bride and groom, they've given themselves together, they've promised, um, you're celebrating. A few months go by, and the groom comes to you and says, um, I've got an idea. I want to have a second wife. I've got a second wife in mind. I'm going to keep my first wife, but I'm going to have another wife. And so let's organise another ceremony. Let's have a wedding at Salt uh, where I can get married to her. Um, all religions are the same, aren't they? Mormons do it. Muslims, Muslims do it. And, and so there you are talk, having this conversation with the groom thinking he's actually going to do it. He's actually going to share his bed with another woman. He's, going to, he's worked out how he's going to halve his time between the two women, halve his resources, half, half his money. Can you imagine what the first wife is thinking? That is incredibly offensive, isn't it? Now think of you, think of you loving God, think of you loving someone else or something else other than God or trying to love someone else or something else when that love is reserved for God think about how God thinks about that think about how much that breaks his heart think about him and his heart when you give him up for a hobby or a job or an illicit relationship how how bad is it when we our hearts are divided when we're not loyal to the one true God. So good, isn't it, to be loved by Jesus, forgiven by him, helped by him, changed by his spirit, leaning back on him to be forgiven by him. I'm going to pray now that we keep loving God. Let's do it.